Good morning. It's good to be here today to worship God. Even though we're meeting in our homes, we need to remember the seriousness of this time. It needs to be a time that's sanctified and set apart for the worship of God, and we need to conduct ourselves as we would if we were in the church building. Jesus is alive and well and on the throne, and all is well. This is a day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to be here. We're like David. We were glad to go up to the house of the Lord to worship. And it's the time to worship him, remember him, to pull our minds in from the world, and to be thankful that we have a God who is alive and blesses us, a God who is in control, and that he is our God. I want to speak this morning on something that I hope will be edifying to you and beneficial to you in your walk with God. I've called our lesson this morning a bad idea. The Bible uses the phrase evil thoughts many times, plural and generic. The phrase covers all evil thoughts. I didn't want to use that term this morning because I want this sermon to be specific and singular. I'm going to talk about several evil thoughts, but I'm going to speak of them, speak of them specifically one at a time. What I really want to emphasize is how terrible consequences one bad thought can have in our lives. King David had a, a bad idea about Bathsheba, another man's wife. David could have taken her, to, to, David could have gone back into the palace, but he lingered and he hung around which would have been the right, it would have been the right thing for him to do, go back into the palace, but he didn't do that. He lusted after her, he committed adultery with her, and he had her husband murdered. I think we can all agree that that was a bad idea. Even people who are not Christians would think that's a bad idea. In James chapter one, the Bible speaks to us about how lust works in our hearts. Beginning in verse 12, he said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's the way lust works. We let it draw us away from God. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So lust conceives and brings forth sin, brings forth sin. And then sin brings forth death, the second death the lake of fire, separation from God. That's what one bad thought can do to our lives. That's what happened to King David. David had a bad idea and he didn't get rid of it. The results were devastating for several people, most of all David. 
He lost two sons, his own self-esteem. He became paranoid. He thought everybody was whispering about him. He got ran off of his throne and he just wanted to find a hole to crawl into. That's what sin does to our life. It causes us to be paranoid. That's a disease of the mind, to be paranoid. He was thinking, I wonder who knows. I wonder what they're thinking. That's a terrible position to be in. That's the fruit of sin. Can we see what one bad idea did to David? It was terrible. We read of Cain in Genesis 4 who had one bad thought. <clears throat> he thought he ought to be able to offer whatever he wanted and not what God asked for. God even gave Cain a second chance to make the right offering and he refused. And then he became jealous of his brother who made the right offering that God wanted and he killed him. One bad thought that Cain could let, not let go of. Look at the devastation that it brought to this family. Can we see how one bad thought can completely change our lives? 2 Kings 5, Elisha the prophet told Naaman the leper to go wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come like unto the flesh of a little child. Can you imagine if a doctor came into the room and said that you had a terrible disease, but he says, I have the solution to that disease and it's real simple and it works 100% of the time. We'd be jumping cartwheels. What did Naaman do? He stormed and walked away in a rage. He didn't want to hear what God had to say. He had more confidence in himself than he did in the prophet. But then his servant went and entreated him and said, Master, why not just do what the man said? And Naaman turned back and he went and dipped in the river Jordan. And again, his flesh was like the flesh of a little child. I want you to think about Naaman. Instead of being an exile le uh, leper, never allowed to be around people again, he was a celebrated hero. But Naaman came this close to being separated from everybody for the rest of his life because of one bad idea. Look how different his life almost became because of one bad idea. Would it be wise for us to let one bad idea keep us out of heaven? The rich young ruler wanted his money more than he wanted eternal life in heaven. Folks, it was a bad idea with eternal 
consequences. He's going to get his wish. He will not be in heaven because something was more important to him. God has a plan for our homes. A good plan, a righteous plan, a beneficial plan. And yet the world is doing everything it can to destroy that plan. You know, if you have other ideas about the home than what God has said, it's a bad idea. He wants a man and a woman to be joined together in marriage. Not two men or two women. He has a role for the man. He wants him to be the breadwinner. He wants him to be the provider. He wants him to be the leader. He has a plan for the woman. She's to be the keeper of the home. She's to raise children. She's to teach her children. He tells the children to honor thy father and thy mother. That's God's plan for the home. God's plan says obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Whatever's different to that is not right. Children, are you obeying father and mother? Are you whining about obeying father and mother? Are you wanting someone else's role? Do you want to be the head of the family? That's not right. You need to do what your parents tell you to do when they tell you to do it. Hebrews 2 and verse 1 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. I'm telling you today in America, there's a lot of things slipping in the American homes. And I'm telling you today in the church, there's a lot of things that are slipping in Christian homes that are not according to God's will. Jeremiah called this backsliding. Sliding back, not going forward. Not trusting in God, not following God. There's a lot of listening to the world and looking to the world as our pattern for marriage in the home. The world will never have a right pattern for your home. 1 John 2 and verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Who's going to be in the house of the Lord after judgment day? Who's going to abide in the Lord's holy hill? Those that abide in the word of God. We can 
whine about our government leaders. We can whine about a lot of things. But what about us? Do we take this seriously? And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's pretty simple. And when we yell and scream at our children, it's not with nurture. And it's not effective. And my admonition is corrective teaching. You need to teach your children right from wrong and be sure they know the difference. The reason God wanted parents to teach their children is because they're supposed to set the example of what they're teaching. And they're not gonna get that if they're taught by somebody else. Moses said, teach them when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, at every opportunity. When you see sin in the community, point it out to your children and the fruits of it. When you see people doing good deeds in the community, point that out, commend the people, and say that's the way we need to act also. The Bible says, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of God. Parents, are you teaching your children? In America, the statistics show that when teenagers graduate from high school, 80% leave the religion of their parents never to return again. That's 80%. Folks, that's atrocious. That's terrible. Shame on us that we've let this happen in America. In Joshua 24, the Bible says that Joshua, pardon me, that Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that lived after Joshua who had seen the works of the Lord. And then there arose a generation which knew not the Lord. Do you realize that we're always one generation away from not following God. If we don't do our job, the next generation won't even know what to do. We have about 50 kids in this congregation under five years of age. That's tremendous. The future looks very bright. Young parents, are you listening? Teach your children. Do you want to be the generation whose children know not the Lord? Many generations of godly people have come through this congregation. Don't be the generation whose children no, not the Lord. If you're not teaching, it's a bad idea. If you're not teaching your children, you need to start. 
Listen, if you need help, there's no shame in needing help. We all need help at times. If you need help with this, call the elders. That's what we're here for. We're not going to jump on anybody. We want to lend a helping hand. Let us help you. Don't be afraid to ask. In 3 John verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. There's nothing that will bring you joy like having your children walk in the truth. But you will greatly regret it if they don't. Our, our families are under attack from the world, from the government, from Satan, and sometimes from within. I'm calling on the men of this congregation to stand up and be men. In this time of crisis, I want you to be the head of your family. People want to be the head. Be the head. If you want to be the head, lead. That's what the head does. The head leads. Take the role that God gave you. No whining, no excuses. Give your families confidence in this time of uncertainty. Tell your family we're at war. Every war has casualties. We may lose some friends. We may even lose some fam a family in this time of disease in our country. Dying is part of this life. We're all gonna die. I'm 72, I'm living on borrowed time, and I know that, but I'm not gonna sit around and worry about whether I'm gonna die or not. I wanna serve God. I wanna do all I can do in the remaining days of my life. That's what keeps me going. Joshua said, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. He was a leader, a mighty leader. You want to know about leadership? Read the book of Joshua. Good advice. Joshua was a leader. He spoke not only for himself, he spoke for his family. He said, this is the way it's going to be in this house. Children, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Who are children? Offspring who put their feet under daddy's table. Do you want your brother and sister and mama and daddy to go to heaven? Do you? Then do your part to make that home a place of peace and tranquility. A place of learning and love. 
You know, we need more Joshua's. And we need more followers. <laughs> Wives, do you want your husbands and your children, pardon me, <laughs> your husband and your children to be in heaven with you? Then grab your role, accept it, perform it. Be an example to others. We need more families following the leaders. Rebelling against the head of the home is rebellion against God. You know, I had to get plain in a discussion with a young man this week. He was not liking the decision that the leadership made in the congregation where he attends. And I reasoned with him for quite a while. And I finally said, let me tell you something. God didn't put 20-year-olds to be the leaders of the church. And there was a reason they don't have the experience of older men. And your obligation is to obey them that have the rule over you. And he accepted that, and I appreciated it. Will the circle be unbroken is a song that was very popular and it still sang a lot. It's a good question. Is my family going to be in heaven? What am I doing to promote that? We need to honor, to respect, and follow the head of our family. No whining, no excuses. I want to look at some people that are not going to be in heaven. That's a pretty horrible thought, isn't it? In John 6, it says, Many went back and they walked no more with him, and they said his sayings are too hard, too difficult. They were whining, they didn't like it. They walked no more with him. They won't be walking with him in eternity either. because I don't like what he taught. You see, that decision has eternal consequences. The teachings of Jesus are just too narrow for some folks. In Revelation 22, 18 and 19, pardon me, yeah, 22 and verse 19, God had, pardon me, some had taken words out of the word of God. He said, don't add to my word, don't take from it. And there were some who had taken from it. And God says, I'm gonna take your part out of the book of life and out of the holy city. 
you see the danger of trying to change God's word and not being satisfied with God's word? It's a bad idea. These people had had their name in the book of life. Not anymore. It's a bad idea. Their name was taken out. Their part was taken out of the heavenly city. In Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the days approaching. Don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the church. Don't forsake church attendance. That's what the verse is saying. He was writing to people who had become Christians and went back to the tabernacle to offer animal sacrifices, and he's trying to get them to come back to the church to the true sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't forsake the church for anything, not for family, not for friends, not for wealth, not for prestige. It's a bad idea to forsake the church. All for some bad thought that Satan had put into their minds. Did Jesus ever have a bad idea? Most people say, oh no, he never had a bad idea, wrong. Preacher, you're not saying Jesus had a bad idea. Where's the Bible say that? Good question. Hebrews 4 and verse 15, speaking of Jesus, says, but he was in all points tempted like we are. He was tempted in every way that we are. We're tempted by bad thoughts that come into our mind. So was Jesus. but without sin. He never gave in one time to that temptation. He never let it become lust that he wanted to carry it out and desired it. He stopped it in its tracks. Are we tempted by these bad thoughts? Absolutely. And so was Jesus. That should help us to realize that he was tempted in every way that we are. And he set the example for us. The text we read in the beginning, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. These weightlifters lift these weights over and over and over and over and over to build up their muscles. Temptation makes us stronger spiritually when we resist it, when we put that resistance against it. It makes us stronger. You know, as we think about that, about bad thoughts, 
How did Jesus handle it? With temperance, complete self-control. That's probably the most important part of this sermon. We are powerless to keep these thoughts from coming into our mind. Bad thoughts are thoughts that dishonor God and bring suffering to us. Those are bad thoughts. I only know of three things that we can do. Number one, we can dismiss it. And that happens a lot. We dismiss. We just let we just let these things pass through. But you know, some of those bad thoughts are just stubborn. And they don't want to go away. They don't want to leave. Then we got to try another approach. Get the Bible out and start reading and push these thoughts right out of your mind and fill your mind with the Word of God and flush them. You know, when I think about that, I, I think about Ian Jones, a great preacher. But I knew Ian when he was young. And he was a different character. And I asked Ian one day, I said, I want you to tell me, we, we deal with sin with people so much, and, and how can they overcome that? Because so many of them never do. What did you do to, to get yourself on the right track? And he said, I just got in the Word of God and I just flooded my mind with the Word of God. And I know that's true because I was by his job a couple of times, long about that time in his life, when he was making those changes and he walked around with an earplug all day long on the job. He's a carpenter. And he was either listening to sermons or Bible recordings uh, of recordings of the scriptures. Eight hours a day, he was putting that in his mind. And it took a while, but he finally flushed it all out. So that's one thing we can do is we can start reading the Bible. Another thing that we can do is we can memorize Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Sorry, I'm in the wrong book. Philippians 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. None of those things are bad ideas, are they? They're all good ideas. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. You want to be ready for Satan the next time he's in, going to interject one of those thoughts into your mind? Memorize this verse. 
and just keep quoting it to yourself. I'm going to tell you what, it won't take Satan very long to leave. You know why? Because every one of these things is contrary to his nature, and he can't stand it. That's what we can do with these bad thoughts. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We need to trust God. It's not enough just to read the word. We've got to trust God that if we do that, it's going to be well with us and it's going to bring good to us. Don't lean to your own understanding. We pick up a lot of things in life and our educational system and being with other people. And, but you know what we get from God is right every time, all the time, anytime. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence. The word keep means to guard, to protect. How many, how many of you want garbage dumped on the front steps? Then why in the world would we want to put it in our mind? Guard your heart. Be sure you've got your guard up and you're not going to let just anything go in there. Out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know what's in our hearts going to come out in our language if we listen to people? And so with our mouth, we tell people what's in our heart. And when we glory in sinful things, and when we brag, we're just telling people what's really inside us. Matthew 15 says, Out of the heart proceed of the evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Those things are in people's hearts because they haven't fleshed them out. How did they get there? Somebody didn't have their guard up. John 13 and verse 2. And supper being ended, talking about the institution of the Lord's Supper. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. What? The devil having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Folks, you want to know where those bad ideas come from? The prince of the power of the hour. The prince of the power. Can't quote all that. But anyway, it goes on to say, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Satan interjects these thoughts. We can't stop that, but we can sure do something about it. <clears throat> in 
It's up to us to get them out. Jeremiah 4, 4. How long will these vain thoughts lodge within me? How long are you going to let those bad thoughts dwell in your heart before you get rid of them? You know, evil thoughts work really kind of like the Word of God works. When we preach the Word of God and it falls into good hearts, it produces faith, doesn't it? It takes root and it produces faith. But when we allow evil thoughts into our heart, if we leave them there, they too will put down roots and produce evil actions. That's why sin works. It's very powerful. The Word of God's more powerful, but sin is powerful. How long will these vain thoughts lodge within you? Depends on what we do. They're not going away by themselves. I mean, sometimes they do. You know how long it takes to have a thought? A split second. A split second. You can have a thought. You can have a bad thought. And some of them hang around for years if we don't get rid of them. And what do they do for us? What do evil thoughts do for us? They bring mental anguish, paranoia, pain, suffering of the worst kind. That's the fruit of what sin brings. Suffering and sorrow. Do you really want to let these bad, vain, worthless thoughts stay in your mind? If not, then flush them out. Replace them with thoughts that are holy and righteous and good. And that's what will bring joy and happiness and stableness to our lives. Enjoy the best that this life has to offer, an eternal life and a mansion in heaven in the world to come. Learn and recognize the danger of one bad thought. And I hope this lesson will help you to guard your heart and receive blessings from God as he intended.